0: Welcome, everyone, to the Pantheon.
1: I am Ray. I'm Evie. And today we're looking at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. It's a movie that came out in 2017. Uh, it's a PG-13 with a runtime of two hours and 16 minutes. Doesn't it feel that long? Was it was it a long? Did it feel like a long movie to you? To me, uh, not a bad thing, but it was... Because, I mean, they gave uh, James Gunn, who direct, who wrote and directed this movie, carte blanche to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. So, I guess he kind of indulged a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into this. So, it's, it takes place three months after the original Guardians of the Galaxy. So, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. You're wondering the time disparity. Uh There's one flashback uh, where, where we meet how Peter's mar- parents met. It takes place in 1980 in, was it Georgia? Or, or not Georgia, Alabama. Anyways, it was in Missouri. Sorry, it was in Missouri. Not that I, not that this is any importance at all. But anyway, the, the point is, we get to meet uh, Peter's father. That was the big mystery from the first movie. We didn't know who his father was. We just knew uh, his mother died of cancer. Uh, was it tumor, brain tumor? I believe it was. yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So uh, so we have one flashback to 1980, and and then of course, uh, 14 years later, you know, he becomes. Uh, he becomes a kid and gets abducted from uh, Yondu, mm-hmm. but the flashback to- shows us um, his father was an, uh, was an alien from another planet, and he and w- the one thing that no one really caught on to was that the uh, he planted to seed on Earth. That was the big thing, you know. So, so fast forward now to 34 years later. Is it 34 years later? Yeah, 34 years later. Uh, it's it's 19. Uh, sorry, it's 2014 three months after the events of the first Guardians of the galaxy so uh, we open up with the the guardians protecting the sovereign that's a golden people these are these gold uh, plated um, upper I guess you call the upper aristocratic People the one percenters of the universe, they're very elites and very posh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're here. They're 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 paid on the contract to protect these uh, NG uh, cells from this some from some sort of intergalactic alien that loves that draws energy from it. So mm-hmm. they're hired to protect these batteries. They're very precious to them. Uh, what ends up happening that is that rocket, the, one of the members of the crew, steals some of the batteries, and of course it triggers an almost an all-out war against mm-hmm. uh, 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 towards the guardians because he's sort betrayed them. So they're on the run again and they hire the Ravagers, head led by Leandu, to chase them around the galaxy. So what you're seeing is uh, the Guardians being gunned down, shipwrecked, as you will, to, uh, to this planet. And we meet this individual character who ends up being uh, uh, Peter's father. And then now we get to understand and the backstory of the first film, where why his father left, who his father is, how he's able to hold a Infinity Stone from the first movie, mm-hmm. all the stuff like that. So uh, the story is mostly about uh, fathers and sons. It's about family. The whole the idea of the first movie was about family. People was, who didn't have like J- Drax who lost his family has found a surrogate family. Uh, we meet a character named Mantis who became uh, a pet to uh, Peter's father. John finds a family, a surrogate family, within the, the Guardians. So it's a story, it's, a, it's just carrying on the themes of family, unity, and it's a very positive message. I think James Gunn likes to follow having themes that, you know, that, that's family-oriented, you know, that has yeah. a message about positivity and um, just kind of a feel-good film. And when I say feel-good, too, is that he also loves to introduce his own music. Like, and he in interviews he was saying like he's surprised that the songs he they he wanted to use, that Disney legal uh, was able to get the songs he wanted and they were able to put it in. Uh, one of the biggest uh, attributes to this uh, standout string, the one of the highlights, is the song, uh, Mr. Blue Sky. It's a song that we see in the opening credits with uh, Baby Groot. Uh, he's dancing as, as the opening credits roll. Uh, now, for those who don't know this, is that as soon as the Guardians of the Galaxy volume, the first movie wrapped up, he spent two years working on that uh, special effect with Groot dancing and took a two mm-hmm. year CGI. Uh, he actually wore the motion caption suit and did some of the dance choreography for Baby Groot to do that, all that what you saw. So the time Guardians volume two came around, They just wrapped up the special effects. So that Mm. took two years to do Baby Groot. So if you're wondering why it's so blurry, it's because that was one of the reasons it's because they didn't have anyone acting, it was just him dancing, and then they superimposed them uh, in the background, which is why it's sort of blurry and sort of like, why are we seeing the Guardians in the background just fighting an alien we can't see too well? It was amazing. Where it does well, I think, I think, yeah, in terms of Baby Groot, it's one of the, he's like Baby Yoda of back then, which, which was mm-hmm. all the craze. I mean, you had Tickle Me Elmo at one point. So the baby group was 20, uh, 2017's uh, uh, Baby Yoda for, for the young audiences. Everyone wanted it. Everyone gravitated to it. Um, when that whole saying, like, don't hit the shiny red button, mm-hmm. when uh, Rocket was telling him, it's like, no, what did I say? You know, I am Groot. I am Groot. No, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't know what Groot is saying. All we know, mm-hmm. is he's saying something weird and stuff. But like, so I like the ideas like they play on the childlike behavior of Groot. Uh, they play on um, the idea of answering some questions that were missing of with Peter and how he's able to do the, the Infinity Stone, and they and also the idea of family. Uh, Drax was uh, almost obnoxious, but he was kind of funny in this one, laughing mm-hmm. at P- Quill and how you have your dance partner and. Mm-hmm. You Know so it's always just some things, it's in the trailer too, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, so there was a lot of good things in, in this. It's a feel good movie, and the soundtrack again is pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, not as good as the first one necessarily, but it does come uh, into play in various aspects. And you have a lot of like intergalactic, like um, kind of like the uh Star Wars, like when you have the Millennium Falcon running away, hopping around, going through nebulas just to escape the sovereign. So, overall. I thought it was really solid. I thought it, it held its own. And um, so what about you? Well,
2: what do I think about it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, as you said, you know, it's all about family. There's nothing. Um, the, I guess, Star Wars. Um, there's that Star Wars scene where you said it. There are yeah. ships going in and out near asteroids. You right. Know? Yeah. So there's that. And this film is about family, so it doesn't um, uh, resemble any other movie in the MCEU. So, Um, you know, but I did uh, like the music. It was okay, you know. Groot was funny. I liked that character. But it's nothing I'd watch again.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of the big picture, um, there is no big picture. I mean, this one is self contained. I mean, they don't talk about the Infinity Stones. Uh, the, the, the jokes are onto themselves it doesn't connect it only connects with the original film by answering some of the missing questions you okay. know like why Yandu did what he did um it is a theme of father figures as i mentioned earlier uh with Sekar as played by stallone's character and mm-hmm. Yandu. um the relationship between the sisters ending the silver rivalry between mm-hmm. gamora and nebula um you know Rocket learning a valuable lesson about family and learning it from the most unlikely source. Yondu, mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of and, and of course uh, gaining a new member with Mantis to the family. Mm-hmm. So there, so the idea of family a family is is very important. I think uh, Taserface and the whole uh, thing it was really interesting too, with what Rocket did. Uh, you know, so but like in terms of uh, the bigger picture, there. This one is so because it's self it's on its own. This one is not connected to anything else in the MCU. Other than the fact that if you want to uh, get an understanding of the family dynamic and the bonds, then that's great. Uh, understanding that Yondu, from being an ancillary character in the original one, and having more of an important role, like recognizing the importance mm-hmm. of every character, uh, then then this movie is um, will surprise you. You know, it's more on, it it wears its heart on its sleeve, so to speak. Uh, That's why I think about that. In terms of the overall story arcs, uh, this one is not connected to the MCU, it's a a standalone. Um, It's one of the very few standalones that 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 has nothing to do with um, anything else within the 25, 30, 40 films that come down the pipe in the future, so. Mm -hmm. Cool.
2: The fate of the universe lies on your shoulders.
1: Now, whatever you do, don't push this button. Because that will set off the bomb immediately, and we'll all be dead. Now, repeat back what I just said. I am Groot. No! Now, that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. I am Groot.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I am Groot. Uh Uh-huh. I am Groot. No! Does anybody have
0: any tape out there? I want to put some tape over the death button. Nobody has any tape. Not a single person has tape. You have an atomic bomb in your bag. If anybody's going to have tape, it's you. I have to do everything. You are wasting a lot of
2: time. That's a really bad sign. If I touch someone, I can feel their feelings. You feel love? Yeah, I guess, yeah, I feel a general unselfish love for just about everybody.
0: No, sexual love. No, no, I don't. For her. No. (laughs) She just told everyone your deepest, darkest secret. Dude, (laughs) come on. I think you're overreacting a little bit. You must be so embarrassed. (laughs) Do
2: me. Do me. Do me.
1: I would give this uh, movie a 6 out of 10 and it's because this is a movie that doesn't deal with the Infinity Stones. It's completely on its own. There's no connection to the other MCU movies. So uh, it is a movie that I think is dismissible. I mean, if you miss this movie, it's fine because it doesn't connect with anything else. It's a story about family. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's a 6 out of 10 because if you wanted an MCU tapestry, you're not going to get it here. It's a strictly uh, space saga about the Guardians and it's it's very centric on them, it's their own story and it has nothing to do with the bigger picture. This is, this is what this is. That's yes, what I thought too. Okay. And for you, what do you rate this for?
2: I rate this maybe like a 6.5. I thought it was just okay. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Guardian t- takes its cues or it's like um, from, I can know that there are scenes from Empire Strikes Back because they're they they get in jail and then they want freedom right and also the there's another second thing where i guess what's it called um guy uh with um whose name starts with what you yondu yondu yeah um he actually gets caught right into space but so does uh, princess leia yeah so they took
1: that oh my i didn't even pick up on that that's right yeah 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 the uh you're deep you're your frozen deep space
2: yeah exactly mm-hmm. you know and then like in Star Wars, like mm-hmm. the first one, mm-hmm. there's there there's a scene in, in the um canteen rather. Right. And there's a scene in the canteen in um Guardian of the Galaxy too. Mm-hmm. So right, so right. he's taking scenes all three yeah. of the Star Wars
1: movies. Oh yeah, you know, what? I never even pick up on that. That's a pretty good so, cool observation, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: you know, so so yeah, I'd give it maybe six or seven because he's stealing. <laughs> no, no, I won't say he's stealing, but well, you know he, what I mean. He's
1: boring, like, you know, he, yeah, Your boring ideas or, um, yeah, it's outer space. It's There's an homage, if you will, to yeah. uh, things that you're familiar with. So yeah. that's good. Uh, for a double feature, uh, I'm going to say, this. I don't know how, how this comes across, but it reminded me a lot of Charlie's Angels 2, Full Throttle. Uh, because Charlie is like the father figure to the angels, okay. and uh, there at the end you kind of see Charlie, and it's about that. It's a story of fathers, uh, and uh, so that's where I got that idea from. Also, Charles Angels too had a, a killer soundtrack, very nostalgic, you know, um, and so and they had one particular song, uh, and as as does this, this movie, where it's it's lyrically it explains. Um, star lord's past and his parents and how he views the sea you know as mm-hmm. you know and it, there's also a, a scene with um <laughs> tom green uh you know he, there's a song there's a, there's a lyric that they're singing and that's um and, then, and so it's also with the sea so but anyways there's, there's a lot of these connections between uh i think with this with knowing the lyrics in the song and having a really killer soundtrack mm-hmm. going with the movie and cool. Charlie's Angels both the first as well as the second one really do have uh, a lot of that and I kind of I really did enjoy it uh, in okay. that sense cool nice what's your double feature or was it, was it Star Wars yeah it's the oh. Star Wars, Wars
2: because Leia also got shot out um, of uh, a cannon <laughs> uh, right into space <laughs> yeah and she got frozen but then she then she supermanned it out and of then, there. exactly <laughs> you <laughs> know the force I'm like
1: what's going on man you
2: know, yeah. uh, and also you um, yon dude did as well yeah and there's there's music all throughout like the movie Mm -hmm. but the last jedi Mm -hmm. you visit like a canteen Mm -hmm. right and there's music there too that's right yeah that's right So he's like
1: i'm mary poppins y'all
0: exactly you know
2: (laughs) you know and um you know and yeah so there's star wars and uh, Guardians of the, um, the Galaxy. Galaxy has two has like couple scenes that are in both movies. Yeah, a lot of overlap. Exactly. So,
1: so do you? Uh, so, would you recommend Guardians then for uh, the common viewer or, or no? Um, it what I give it. No, is, would you recommend? Is, would would recommend? you recommend someone to go see this? Is this a movie worth watching? Um, you know what? I did. I don't think so. Well, not for. Well, I'd give it maybe a five point five or a six. I give it a six, and I and this is me, and I wouldn't recommend it on the fact that it, if you're looking at it in terms of the overall collective of the MCU, it has nothing to do with the MCU. It's completely forgettable. And so if you if you, or if, you just want, if you don't want to watch MCU movies, but just watch one movie, then the opposite holds true. Then you can see this, and it has nothing to do with anything else. Right. And you can have a, a space odyssey movie. Uh, if you want that, that's cool. It has some good moments on it. Uh, when you compare it to the first one, uh, I like the first one a little bit more, but that being said, uh, it's not the reason why I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, it's just uh, the, the jokes and some stuff don't necessarily land as much for me in here, uh, And but it's an easily a forgettable film. Uh, there are some good and some bad stuff on it, but mm-hmm. it's not a necessity, that's what I want to say. Okay. It's not a necessity to, to watch to uh, to get into the MCU
2: so you shouldn't what about the first movie would you watch that first
1: oh absolutely the, the, the first one because it's you don't know who these characters are and it's, it's so essential to understand these characters uh to get into the end game to get into the affinity war okay. so uh, that they do serve a purpose as that sense but uh, in terms of having mantis who's the only add-on it's not necessarily important to watch this movie too in any sense besides Mantis' the character Introducing one new character. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film really holds very little um, assistance to, to the landscape itself. Okay. Okay, so let's get into the email bag. Okay. Buford, mailbag song, hit it!
2: Letters.
1: I get letters.
2: So many letters. First, we have uh, Rupender from Battle Creek, Michigan. He says,
1: I hate it. Okay, next we got Todd Smith from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, Todd writes, So the Marvel Studios' origin came out of obscurity to set box office records. Introducing fans to a cast of heroes who aren't exactly your typical superheroes, combining amazing special effects and comedy. The film quickly gained a cult following and critical acclaim. But can they defeat the biggest enemy of all, the curse of the sequel? Well, the Guardians are back doing what they do best, with with a new enemy on their tail And when they crash land on an uninhabitable planet, the rescuers came in a form of a man who seems to be too good to be true. Is he really there to help them, or does he have something else in mind? Ooh, that sounds kind of scary. Uh, The story in Volume 2 is not as good as the first one. That one has to be expected, but luckily, it isn't too far off. The characters are the same, and in this time, time they know each other a, a, a whole lot better. Meaning the chemistry is better, the humor comes on more quickly, and the magic is still there. Uh, once again, Chris Pratt is outstanding. It's still hard to believe that he went on from being an annoying jock on *Everwood* to this charismatic megastar. The rest of the cast is also on its game, and we learn so much more about the characters than we did in the first film, which I will say is a little true. Uh, while not being so as strong as or story-wise, this film certainly comes. Uh, hits closer to home and everything is amped up from the special effects to the humor and even the soundtrack. I love these films and I hope there are a lot more more of them, however, I'd be remiss in not sharing my thoughts that something this good, especially with how the story evolves in the second film, is better suited for a weekly TV series than at most of a handful of feature films. The bottom line, if you like this one, you'll love the second one. Um, I will say yes to a certain extent. Uh, next up, Evie. Okay, Loon of
2: Dayton, Ohio writes, um, if you want to know what happens to the GOTG crew after the first film, then this is the movie for you. Great music, great jokes, great characters, but not as good as the first. Also, I felt the scenes with Star-Lord's father were largely Uninteresting, but just a omnipotent god doing stuff, I guess.
1: And next we have Liam H. from New York City, and Liam writes Guardians of Galaxy Vol. 2 takes everything that you loved about the first movie and throws it out the window. Oh my gosh. Suddenly, every character has to act like Rocket the Raccoon, Bradley Cooper, a Star is Born. He reprises his role as Rocket. Except uh, this time he's unlikable. This movie single handedly made me hate the Guardians of the Galaxy. Besides Baby Groot and Yondu, uh, the question is Is there anything that this film improved upon the, from the first? Answer is yes, a couple of things, including the villain. The villain is Ego and is played by Kurt Russell, who we know from The Furious Seven. He does a good job as the villain and is a better villain than Ronan the Accuser in the original. As mentioned, Yondu, played by Michael Roker, uh, who we know from the movie Cliffhanger, is one of the films he's known for, is more likable than he was in the first movie. Baby Groot is adorable. Uh, the gold people weren't very good and were annoying as Gungans. Okay. As the Gungans? Yeah, from Star Wars. See, you would know this better than I would. Okay. Okay. Uh, from Star Wars, the, okay, so let's start again. The gold people were not so good, can't say the word, and were annoying as the Gungans. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, Star-Lord and Gamora are, of course, in, in a romance which feels forced and bland. Drax is super annoying. And, oh, I guess he warms up in the end. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, from the first one, but not like this. Overall, Guardians 2 is overblown, overrated, and doesn't deserve 80% of Rotten Tomatoes. One of the MCU's worst movies, no doubt. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. And uh, next. T-Nesan.
2: Um, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, If you ask, it was a must movie for its predecessor, part one, because you need to know why Peter was abducted, why his father left his mother, and he was, is now. Uh, Nothing much fancy than that um, awesome mix is just great do you want to stop the songs? But like Repender, he said I hated it.
1: Yep, uh-huh. okay, really good. And uh, Tuberworks Jones, we end up with him. He's from uh, New Jersey, or from Jersey. Uh, he writes Kurt Russell, also plays another twisted father role. I guess he's too old to play anything else. Huh. And the raccoon, comic relief or whatever, uh, he was not so amusing this time around. This movie's continuity was terrible. There were several times I thought it was ending, only to somehow continue on um, more of a ridiculous antics that didn't make any sense. I had no idea what was it was all about, and what all the total overdone CGI that confused things even more than the fr- the way that what they were supposed to do. And the old songs they were just u- sorry, And the old songs they use just don't seem to fit this movie uh, in any way, shape, or form. That's from Tubeworks Jones. Um, okay, so I'm going to agree to disagree on some things, but like overall, the songs does work in many instances. But like, yeah, Mr. Blue Sky, which is a song that uh, Baby Root does right at the opening. It was a very long TDS process, and uh, it's something that's you normally don't see the main characters blurred out fighting a main collective villain and they focus on groot so usually when you have this like people like the make the headlining stars on the show on the film they'd be in focus and then this time this is the first time where we see them the headlining stars not being seen in the forefront they are character uh, their fodder in the background <laughs> so it's, it's one of the first things you it's the first in Hollywood uh, it's a, it's a, it was a gamble that paid off. So uh, there if you look at it for certain aspects of it, there are reasons I think why uh, um, James Gunn did what he did. So you, it's just a matter of how you look how you're looking at uh, the reasoning behind the method. And the only way I can say that is if you listen to the director's commentary, will you understand most of the thi- the thinking behind James Gunn's mm. thought pro- process. Mm. Okay, uh, so with that, uh, Evie, how can they reach us?
2: Well, they can reach us um, through our website, uh, uh, www.pantheonofm.com, Twitter, and...
1: Oh, there's Instagram, and and, and Twitter, Twitter, and email, and... uh, we don't do Facebook. No, no don't do Facebook. Right, uh, but yeah, everything you need to know is on the website. Uh, we were we, you and I were at Niagara Falls Comic Con, and it, we had uh, was a uh, I guess they re- they referred it to as a Guardians of the Galaxy reunion. Mm-hmm. We had Michael Worker and Sean Gunn, who yeah. plays Yondu, and. Um, Craglin, mm-hmm. so they were there so we're going to end off with a soundbite of these two well it was actually with just Sean Gunn talking uh there's a I'm editing it down to he talks about three different things just mm-hmm. uh so it kind of gives you an insight because Sean Gunn does not only does he not only does he play uh Kraglin, but he he's a, st- a step-in character or the standing character for Rocket when when he's working with Drax when he's working with um, Chris Pratt's character Star-Lord so and even with the discussion where we, where you saw the trailer where uh, um, Winter Soldier is holding Rocket and they're doing like mm-hmm. a 360 shooting guns around how that sequence was done and like and with him working with uh, Sebastian Stan doing that shot and how it actually came about so it's all it's all be coming up in his discussion on the show so listen to that don't hang up or don't Disconnect right away uh we'll be playing sean Gunn's comments about about the behind the scenes discussions of or him working in guardians
2: well i think we've covered, covered
1: it all covered it all okay so with that i am ray i'm ethy we'll talk to you next week take care
0: it was always interesting to work with an actor for the first time because um you know i, I look pretty freakish when i'm playing when i'm playing black i'm very liberal sure. and i get down and I My job for each take, as I see it, is to, to get my eyes to where Rocket's eyes are. So I spend a lot of time on the ground, and I spend a lot of time squatting, and a lot of times moving in the squat position. So when other actors haven't seen it before, you know, the Guardians are used to it. So, you know, Chris and Zoe and Dave, they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's Sean. That's We've worked with him a ton, but you know, working with Chris Hemsworth for the first time and having him be like, wow, you really do that.
1: You really that. <laughs>
0: um, was cool. And then he was great when I would work with new people. You know, Chris would be like, oh yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, see how this guy works, it's really weird. Um, but, uh, but it was, uh, it was cool, yeah. People flip out on the first time they see it. We, we, we shot that, um, you know, and it's, like I said, I've always, looking to get my eyes to where rocket size are. So that reference take, now, you gotta understand, like, yeah, we shot that, but it's you know when you're when you're shooting with with CGI, there's so many different ways that you have to shoot something. So even when I'm in a take, I'm usually only in there for one or two good shots as reference. And then I step behind the camera and do the lines, you know, from just behind the camera for the other actors. But they're looking then at something that's blank. But they've already had the reference, so they know where the actor is, and they know where the eyes are, and things like that. And so for a take like that, he—I'm sure he had you know many different ways that he had to shoot that take. But one of them was for Rocket's face, and what Rocket's doing, and in that take, that's just me spinning right along with him. Um, And I don't, you know, I was, you know, I'm tall enough that I could just also be standing so I'm sure that that that's pretty funny looking but yeah that's Sebastian with his hand out and me out there in front of him and we're spinning around you know um but it's it's definitely strange but yeah we do we shoot pretty much every single thing that Rocket does we shoot in case we need it you know some of it we don't use the, the visual effects team doesn't use but a lot of it they do and so it's uh so, yeah, we shoot, shoot all of it. You know, Kraken gets a bit of, a, of, of an arc. He has a, his, his character, you know, has a change that needs to be made. So, um, I think it's really cool when you get a lot more to do um, like that. And that's why I do what I do, is, cause it's because uh, it's, 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 it's fun to play those, you know, to really explore and to, to see what makes a character tick. So, yeah, in the first movie, um, and I mentioned this to you earlier too, but, uh, that in the, in the first movie, I felt like, I still wasn't really sure exactly who Cragment was, because we were just working it out. Because when you when you have a character like that, who's, he's not background, but he also isn't, um, you know, he's not a principal character. So really, the function of that character is texture more than anything else. So you can cut to him when you need something to be funny, or, or more menacing, or, or whatever it is that you need for that particular take. So we did a whole lot of different type of stuff with with Cragman. We had him be a little bit more of a maniac, um, a little bit more of a goofball, you know, and and we did a whole lot of Cragman repeating what Yandu had just said, um, which really only makes its way into the film when he says, Captain's gotta teach stuff. Um, but we had done a lot of takes of Cragman. Of, of, uh, of being, uh, you know, repeating what the said. said. Um, and it wasn't really until I saw how they put that character together in the first movie that I realized who that character was.